welcome everyone to Strategy Cafe. Um, so um, a little bit of an intro for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nick, I'm founder of Alembic Strategy and um, you'll know that we, um, we work very um, uh, intensively with family businesses and are partners of the Institute for Family Business. Uh, so it's a really important part of our work and um, uh, it's a really interesting space for leadership and um, uh, I'm delighted to have the opportunity this morning uh, to be talking to Neil Davy, who some of you all know is the uh, CEO of the Institute for Family Business. Um, and, um, you know, we've been chatting <clears throat> and sharing, you know, some of our experiences and ideas about, um, you know, um, important aspects of family business within the UK economy. Um, and, you know, as always with Alembic, we take that view of the human side of things. So understanding what it's like to be within a family business in a multi-generational environment, uh, whether you're part of the family, not part of the family, um, and all of that dynamic is so fascinating uh, and and important and and meaningful. So today we're going to be chatting a little bit about that, as well as introducing you to Neil and sort of digging a little deeper into his leadership experience and what brings him to his current role. So uh, in a moment, we're going to give you, um, uh, Neil, a chance to introduce himself, um, a bit of a chat about his prior experience, this idea of a broken model, which is, um, I think, speaks to his view of some aspects of corporate culture. Um, talking about IFB and um, and purpose. Um, and then um, we wanted to get into a couple of really lovely, interesting leadership topics. So one thing is around what, is there something really unique and valuable about the family business model? Um, I'll have a poll on that in just a second and see what you all think. Um, and then also just want to talk about this idea of dependency. So here I've put independence versus the family firm, but really I want to talk about the issue of dependency and how that can impact people um, and, you know, change behaviours, uh, sometimes uh, not for the best, and how you might tackle that as a, a good opportunity to chat that through with, with Neil here to, while well, we've got it, him. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing all of your comments and uh, your engagement, and maybe around 10 past nine, we should stay on till about 20 past for, for chat, maybe a little longer. Um, we'll certainly be wrapped up by um, 9.25. Um, so there you go. Without further ado, um, welcome, Neil. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to be speaking to you. Um, tell everyone thank a little you. bit about you. Thank you very much. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity and the interest. Um, now just, a, a, just a very quick thing about me. I, um, I actually, to be upfront, I don't come from a family business. I don't run or I'm not part of a family business, um, but I've looked at family businesses from the outside. Um, I didn't intend to go into business at all, actually. I studied theology at university, specialised in Tibetan Buddhism, and then went off back out to Asia where I grew up to go and pursue a career in international development. Um, I, I found myself in business, uh, that's physically, not spiritually, um, and for many years worked in consulting with predominantly large listed companies around the world. Um, also went in-house with PLCs and also was running organisations that were private equity owned. So my career hasn't actually been in family businesses, but my kind of soapbox topic and my passion is, is responsible business and the role of business in society. And as I worked in all of those different business forms, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, you know, I saw a lot of contradictions um, and I saw the rhetoric and the reality being quite divergent. 
And I always looked at family businesses as ones where I felt actually they were doing an awful lot of amazing good, but had a disproportionately low share of voice in the whole agenda. Um, so when I was approached about the opportunity to join the IFB, it felt like a really fantastic opportunity to come into an organization that's been around for 20 years with a great body of family businesses and support. Um, and just hopefully an opportunity to work with some great people and, and, and do some really exciting work and have a you know, help shape the future for generations to, to come. So that was a... That's wonderful. So we also need to dig into some of these other aspects in a minute, like um, uh, the olive grove, uh, the RLN and LI, uh, the coastal rowing, um, and also, um, uh, some of you will know, um, anyway, I'm just going to say out loud, I've recently studied the neuroscience of um, Tibetan Buddhist meditation. So, um, but that, that's not for today, but I want to talk about what happens to people who've done 40,000 hours of meditation. That's super interesting. Um, uh, not very spiritual or, or theological. So, um, so interesting. And um, let's just get a view from everybody to start with. So I'm going to launch a poll. Um, are family businesses better at uh, practicing patience? Do they have uh, genuinely a more differentiation around longer term? I was really surprised by that um well you are polarized but not between agree and disagree um so let's just share the results the polarization can you see that is between agree and don't know so that's fascinating that's absolutely fascinating so look we'll come back into this uh in a second uh but neil let's just get going so let's uh, talk to me about your leadership experience this idea of the broken model um and your own kind of transformation pivot into more meaningful work yeah um yeah i mean i i you know i started my career in international development in asia i was working with the unhcr at the time of the vietnamese refugee crisis um so i spent you know the early part of my post-university career in that field um i stepped into the world of business in you know the mid 1990s and i think like a lot of people then and a lot of people now um saw my career progression as very linear, as a ladder. Um, it was defined by um, job title, by seniority, by role, by salary, by geographical influence, by revenue, all of those kind of obvious metrics. And, and that's, you know, I kept climbing that ladder for 15 years. Um, and what I found was the further up that ladder I got, and the more of those kind of KPIs, if you want to call them, kind of box ticked, um, the less happy I was. Um, and I, I had a I had a kind of pivotal cup of coffee with a lady who used to be a colleague at the British Council, um, then became a client and then became a friend. And she was working at UNICEF in Geneva. She was in a senior role there looking after a number of national committees for UNICEF around the world. And we were having a cup of coffee as friends because I happened to be in Geneva um, for business. Um, and we were chatting and she, she made an observation which really struck me. She said, Neil, you and I do the same thing. And I sort of said, actually, you're going to have to stop there because you're looking after 19 national committees for UNICEF, lifting millions of people out of poverty. And I'm working for a North American technology company, making a small number of very rich people inordinately more wealthy. Help me understand how we're doing the same thing. 
And, you know, she then talked about how we both, you know, look at the bigger picture and how we identify different people's needs and we try to bring those together and create solutions that aren't necessarily short-term tactical, but actually are slightly more systemic in their nature. And, and then she threw a, a curveball at me and she said, we've got some jobs coming up in UNICEF, I'd like you to apply and I'll sponsor your application through the UN. And two things struck me immediately. One was um, how unhappy I was, how unhappy I was at work, um, how unhappy I was making my wife and my kids <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and the whole context around that. And the second thing was that I was reminded what I really wanted to do when I left university was sustainable development. Interesting. Um, and, and I thought, well, actually, so I'm now 15 years later, I've got this experience and I've been looking after large corporates around the world from a kind of, uh, you know, global key account business management perspective. Yeah. And I said, well, clearly I can't carry on this trajectory. So what am I going to do? And I thought, well, actually, if you look at the discipline of how I work with companies around the world and bringing those different stakeholders together around common interests or needs and help to work with them to bring multidisciplinary teams together to start shaping a different solution and then putting those programs in place over a series of years. I thought, well, actually, rather than doing it only in the corporate context, what if I then did the same discipline but brought together government, civil society, um, businesses around big challenges that um, the world was facing? Um, so yeah. I resigned and I decided to go into this field, which was, um, again, ironically, this, this is a topic called patience. And I was definitely not being patient when I made the decision to resign. I thought, I've got to do this. And I leapt off the cliff um, with a backpack uh, and hope, hoping there was a parachute in it. There wasn't a parachute in it. Um, and I came bumbling down, scrambling around for many years, trying to find people who, who, who this idea would resonate with. And actually, it started eventually to get some traction. Um, and then I started to do work with nonprofit organizations in this space, with companies in this space, with some government organizations in this space. And then one thing led to another. Um, and I was asked to go and do some consulting work for a nonprofit think tank on corporate governance and stewardship. Um, that led to me running an international sustainability consultancy and then on to where I am now. But I think, so So, so the, the thing for me was as I looked at those different sectors of you know, the government, business and civil society, the, the one, you know, tr trying to pull them together on an equal footing was very difficult. The one thing that was blindingly obvious was that the sleeping giant in tackling many of these issues which are systemic are business. So that's when I thought, actually, I'll go into business and with this agenda and see how we can think about the role business plays in society. And now, you know, we, we can't open a, a website or a newspaper now without seeing ESG, sustainability, purpose, impact, all of that, you know, crowded and confused uh, space. But for me, it's about helping organizations think through what de declutter the, the vocabulary, be very clear about the lexicon, and have a slightly different conversation about the role of business and society and what that means for their organization um, and in, in the context of responsible business. And that's where I felt that family businesses really are leaders, but are not recognized as such. And I thought there's a real opportunity to address that in balance. So I guess, you know, um, that brings us back. Is the screen share on? Does that come back? 
Yeah, so I guess that brings us back to, to, to connecting with the IFB. I just wanted to pick up on a couple of points there. I just think uh, it's so interesting. Um, I personally feel that uh, although, you know, maybe you're right, maybe this idea of purpose could be a bit cliched and uh, market is a bit uh, confusing and cluttered, but actually purpose within uh, your business life makes such a difference in terms of engagement and motivation and uh drive for people so so motivated action is absolutely connected to a sense of purpose um and i'm just curious um whether in engaging like that uh you managed to invert that this correlation between status and happiness and how ifb relates to your sense of mission um in that process i definitely did so when i jumped off the the cliff with this empty backpack um, it was a really tough time. It was a tough time financially, it was a tough time for the family. Career-wise, it was a tough time. People couldn't understand what I was doing or why I was doing it. But despite all that struggle, I was happy. And I I never, never wavered in my conviction and commitment that this is what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't had that for 15 years. So, it, so that, that was where I guess the, the point about persistence comes in. Um, you know, I was just very persistent about it. Um, and I and, and so that that's really what so 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 that correlates that correlation actually it was addressed. And I'm not sure I would describe in a series of broken model, but for me, what I was doing was broken. And actually it was about reprioritizing things and going back to that point about you know the human side of business is actually well, you know, it's it's about people. We seem to have forgotten that. How can we bring that back? to the fore yeah. and this you know this this i think the concept of purpose is become massively overused poorly defined and misunderstood and ironically one of the first pieces of work i was doing when i after that cup of coffee at unicef was doing some consulting work with a communications consulting firm that had reorganized itself around corporate purpose now this was over 10 years ago and if you went to a person in business or I went to a friend or a family, I said, I'm working in the field of corporate purpose. People genuinely looked at me as if I was completely mad. Because yeah. what are you talking about? Because purpose of business is profit. You know, what are, you know, how, 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 much, how much time do you want to spend discussing that? And actually, you know, I, I never believed that. And you know, I, I always believed profit was an outcome of the business, well-managed and the relationships well-managed, not the reason for it. Now that is a polarizing view because there are people who say no, the purpose of business is profit. And and you know, the whole debate about corporate purpose, I think, has become completely unnecessarily complicated. Sorry, Nick, go ahead. That's, that's okay. I just, uh, we had a, a comment in from Philip um on the panel in chat saying, I wonder if there's an issue between public, tell everyone about your purpose and private, just get on and do it. And most family businesses tend to do the latter um um maybe maybe you can kind of respond to that if you yeah. if you can and and tell us how how does ifb step into this yeah. uh, debate about purpose um i mean i think so i think for, first of all there's a need just to cut through the confusion i mean corporate purpose mm-hmm. if if the purpose of your business is to make a profit say so be open about it there's nothing inherently wrong with it but it gives other people the opportunity to decide if they want to work for or give a business to or work with those organizations if profit is an outcome of the business well managed, then there's a much richer conversation to have, which does have people at the center. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what I've observed, I mean, I think you know, you're right that family businesses tend to be doing this much more quietly. And mm-hmm. 
you know, particularly for multi-generational businesses, that you now there is a what Mark Goyder from Tomorrow's Company would say is a golden thread that would run through. And I think that isn't always necessarily overly articulated, but it's just inherent in the family and the relationships and the values, and it comes through. Mm-hmm. In the corporate world, the PLCs, and I'm going to be slightly cynical here, but it is based on first-hand experience. You know, as these next big ideas and concepts get traction, the marketing and external affairs teams jump on it. And yep. purpose is the latest one. And you'll see all of these statements going out about corporate purpose. Actually, if you really were, if you really unpick it, they're not statements about purpose. They're just generic taglines which are put out there. And that's where it's hard to Actually, marketing statements, right? So well, precisely. And so they're not so they're not a statement about the purpose of the business. They're they're just, as you say, they're they're marketing campaigns. And guess what? A new CEO comes in three years later and the purpose changes. You know, so and so I think I think, you know, one one of my one of my painful battles before kind of stepping into the family business world was talking to people even within the business about this. And just trying to make sure that if we're going to be putting communications out internally to colleagues or externally to customers or the wider world, let's be at least be authentic about it and have a grounded conversation about what the purpose of the business is. I, yeah. I, I you know, nice. I, I made very little traction there because everyone is, you know, busy and focused on their KPIs and, you know, who's who's got the luxury of time to want to engage in that debate. Um, when, when when businesses are racing ahead and we've got all the challenges businesses are facing. So there is there is definitely an issue there and there's a need. And I think family businesses have an opportunity to, to really start to take a leading role in this discussion and present a different model of business, which I think is genuinely purposeful, if I can use that expression, um, and which I think a lot of PLCs are not. So, so I, I love that, and I want to take that on a little bit further. So, um, um, I wanted to have this debate with you, and I guess I'll pro- I'll bring both issues in at once. We may as well just talk about them because um, there are paradoxes around here, um, and you can't you can't always solve them. So, so and purpose is about profit. Yeah, sure it is. You've got to be profitable, um, but that doesn't mean that has to be your only purpose in life, right? And businesses have got multiple purposes, and some of them are quite uh, mundane. Some of them really engage uh, the heart um as well as the head um and so you know uh, at the core of that is this question around uh, who we are what sort of space we want to be in uh, how we relate with each other um what sort of life we want to live um and you know profitability is an important part of that because it's creating our resources and it's allowing us to survive and the business is sustainable and it looks after so many people and does so many beautiful things you know so you know, businesses that are profitable or are good, let's just cut to the chase and say say that, that's fine. But it's not the only purpose in life and motivated action comes from lots of different spaces. Um, family businesses, I think, are really super interesting on this because um, I think, you know, we, we are a family business and we have for family businesses. When you are working with family members, wherever they are in the organisation, um, part of the confusion is that you're working with family members, right? And so you innately have colleagues who you feel about like family. You can't you can't not do that. Um, and so that instantly brings into the work domain the feelings you have about family members, and it's leaky. Um, there's 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 no um, other way of saying it. It is just leaky, because if you treat a family member differently because they're part of your family and they're by a colleague, you're instantly thinking, well, 
well you don't even think about it it's just natural you treat them you treat them the same you kind of want to treat them the same mm. and so the idea that i guess the the the, the way that we relate and connect and uh, care within the family just automatically crosses over when you're in a family business environment the paradox of that is that it can create dependency certainly when you go down the next generation so um the founders will have made it uh they've um learned to survive on their own two feet uh, they've got a huge sense of independence because of that and knowledge and capability. Next generation, you know, have inherited it. They haven't made it. Um, and so there is this question if they come into the family business, whether they are still dependent like they were before they were adults and whether they found a way of expressing independence. Now, that doesn't always affect people, but sometimes it does. It can make you feel like you need the role because you can't survive or you need the money because you couldn't get that money elsewhere. Yeah. And so that can drive, um, you know, uh, conflictual behaviors. And so you have this love, weird paradox going on, right? So does that make any sense to you? Do you relate to it, that? It, I, I definitely relate. And, you know, I think those tensions are, are unavoidable, whether it's a family in business or a family as a family. And I think what, what, what what's interesting is I, I wonder if we've lost sight of the definition of company. So we talk about business, we talk about company, we talk about organizations there and their purpose, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, I, I, like, I like the term company more than business in a way because a company is a company of people. It's a collection of individuals and a series of inter, interrelated relationships. And in those relationships, whether it is family, family and non-family, or a business which is not family-owned and it's just a collection of individuals, there are relationships there the success of the organization depends on those relationships. And to the point about dependency, you know, and again, this is where the, the, uh, the Tibetan Buddhism thing piece comes in. You know, we, we, we can't ignore the fact that there is an inherent interdependence, irrespective of whether we are blood or it's water. And so there's an element of going, and, and I, think, I think in the non-family business world, I think very, very few people will see that and actually it's more likely to be competitiveness than collaboration in lots of cases. I think with the family business, it is interesting because you have that family connection and you know, you're thinking about this, like, the vis viscosity of blood and water. But I think yeah. there, there is that. And then there is this tension between family and non-family. And I think, I think it's a really, really interesting space. And I do think from the conversations I've been having that there is a recognition that it's in everybody's interests to think about this more holistically as a series of relationships, irrespective of your DNA, and then how you link that back to the purpose of the organization. So I, I definitely agree that those tensions are there, and I think there's an opportunity to look at it uh, by taking a step back. I love it. And I think that the, you know, we get it right, we get it wrong, right? We all do, we all do in the family business environment. We do, you know, in non-family businesses, we get it right, we get it wrong and learn from our mistakes and the context that we're shifting. But it does, I think, when you are thinking about your colleagues, including within them, your family, um, just open up that domain. So you obviously think, and I think this is a really important leadership point, you know, maybe you'll agree with me here on this. I'm, I'm curious to hear your view you know that that you automatically think of other people um in the context of being family members mm. and so when you're leading you're you know i you know for me and i know for a lot of my family business clients they 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 uh, are thinking very deeply about the consequences of any actions they take on the wider families of their employees and so it instantly gets into this idea of resonance that leadership resonates beyond the person in front of you mm. and has consequences so in the patient's debate um the way i often see this play out is that 
um, because I think maybe partly because of the values that innately are there, partly because uh, I guess just looking at people straight in the eye and knowing, think, you know, being unable not to think about the consequences for other people, maybe in a slightly richer way. And it's not entirely right, but in a slightly richer way than that might happen in other contexts. Um, you have this feeling that you have to live with your decisions. Yeah, and I relate that to you have to live with the consequences or the external costs of your business too. So like the waste streams, um, you can't just tip your waste out on the drive, right? Uh, otherwise, you have to walk through the waste on the way into the business. So it, it, it fits with me sort of philosophically with ESG. It's really thinking about the invisibles within the business that have for many, many eons been just socialized costs. You know, we let we let government, local government, society, community pick it up. And we have to change that paradigm, right? And I think family businesses innately know that, which is what I kind of mean by because they face the consequences and they have to live with them, maybe they know they have to be patient or more more cautious, perhaps. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And actually, when when you put that question up on the poll, I, I didn't answer it. But 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 I think if 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 I had, I would probably put the unsure. And the reason for that is because there's this idea of patience. And when we think about patience, I think that I mean from a personal perspective, I think about actually day-to-day -day patience is more of a short-term thing, you know, patient than and in terms of the decisions and priorities and how I spend my time, versus mm -hmm. this taking a long-term view. And actually, my tension is I am impatient, but I do take a long-term view and I think mm -hmm. it, 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 there's, you know, so even on a day-to-day -day basis, there's this practicality. I think the difference with the, with the non-family business sector is there's an impatience and a short-term view, <laughs> yep. but in the family business, there is, you know, there are the different family dynamics. There are ties there that are stronger than just a contractual piece of paper um, and, and recognition that, well, particularly in a multi-generational business, you are already part of that long-term legacy and then there's that responsibility and sense of stewardship for well what are we going to pass on to the next generation and i think that's mm -hmm. and i think while while being mindful of the importance of having a long-term view while making decisions now i think the really interesting question particularly as you know every business organization and person is facing a multitude of challenges right now mm -hmm is mm -hmm. well what what is the future we want to create for those future generations and mm -hmm. how do we bring in the next generation in that conversation and while dealing with short-term crises and pressures how are we mm -hmm. getting through those those challenges in a way such that we're also making decisions that will benefit the long term and benefit generations to come yeah i think that's great um, and I think that does speak to this. So um, Philip's also put up on chat. And if anyone, you know, while we're chatting, Neil and I, if you want to just come in, you can join in on the chat and I'll try and pick it up as we go. And we'll obviously open up the, the forum after we've uh, stopped the recording to, to talk it through a little bit more. Um, but um, I think if I've got the right slide up, this one here, I really love this idea of um, like paradoxical thinking in family business. If we we're making a contrast, which is unfair. It's just generalization, but maybe maybe it's somewhat there um, that it, you're more likely uh, because of this connection, this interdependence, this set of relationships, which are outside of the business and inside the business to be bearing in mind uh, the past, the present and the future when faced with the requirement for a fast decision. 
So mm -hmm. Philip's point is, is, does this stop family businesses from being uh, dynamic and fast in their decision making? Um, you know, and, and, you know, my response to that is I generally say, yes, I think it does. I think I see family businesses sometimes agonize mm -hmm. over decisions, but we also work with the non-family business sector. We work with private equity. Uh, I can see in the private equity environment, people making incredibly fast hire and fire decisions, right? And not giving people time to learn the lessons of their failure. Right. So if you think about it from a black box thinking point of view in the non-family business environment, I think, you know, big failures are an amazing opportunity for businesses to learn and grow. But instead, what happens is people get fired. And so those lessons never get integrated. Or if they do, they get integrated in the next business, not in this one. Right. Because of because of the sort of judgmentalism that can go with that. On the other hand, sometimes it's the right answer. So it's it's you know, there's no right and wrong here. But um, and I'm not saying that. Uh, founder businesses or private equity businesses don't have a long-term perspective they do they clearly do but there is that interesting difference here and i also see family businesses making quick decisions sometimes and then having a massive row about it with the family afterwards and um, because they didn't take the time to integrate everyone's views and feelings but just yeah. had to make a decision right so do you have a view on this so that whether the longer-term perspective is always more there in uh, it's, it's, it, it is it's incredibly easy to generalize and that's always risky mm. because the reality is mm. the, the picture is much more complex than we never so at the risk of also generalizing i would say yes i think that that point is correct but i think there's also an interesting it goes back to your point earlier nick about um people at the heart of business so people in relationships at the heart of business you're here right. the plc is talking about people being our greatest asset and all of that cringy stuff Actually, what there really is, is people are a commodity. And as you say, if it's not working out, it's, you know, hire, fire, restructure, gone. You can't yeah. do that in a family business. And so I think also there's this piece about rather than seeing people in relationships as a commodity or even mm -hmm. an asset in, it, in that sense, actually as a series of relationships to be invested in and nurtured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think so. And, and there's the there's the ongoing relationship where values intrinsically sit, not corporate values, but personal and family values sit. And then, yes, I, I, I think you can see in in that world where actually some decisions do take longer and that may cause problems. So does it mean that family businesses can be less agile? I'm sure that's definitely a risk. But equally, I've known family businesses to be very agile because they don't have the restrictions of the institution investors directing them to focusing on short term. So actually they can be very agile, but taking a long-term view at the same time. And I think that's an interesting, interesting opportunity that family businesses have is that sense of actually freedom to be agile if they want to and take risks and innovate where other, other, in other businesses, there may be more restrictions purely because the, because the measure of success and priorities are the numbers. So, so interesting. And so you kind of get to this point where you might say that family business is one of the set of businesses where there are some contextual differences. I'm going to say, and this is a like slightly big language, it sort of potentiates the leadership to be slightly different. It doesn't necessarily mean it is because um, just having that context, that potentiation to be more long term, to think more long term, to learn from your mistakes and live with them and grow. Uh, so we definitely see that and we definitely see family businesses tackling that. And it, it, it can sometimes feel like your learning is almost like putting a new IT system in, uh, you know, it never works perfectly day one, two years later, you look back and think, oh my God, we've come on such a long way, right? Because if it was broadly the right platform, you then iterate and innovate gen gently, 
and family businesses that are right who take this kind of mission on are similar there's there's rare rapid transformational changes they do happen mm. but more more real is hard work over two or three years and then looking back and realizing how far you've climbed yeah. you know realizing in retrospect how much things have changed because you've done the hard work and all of the little iterative changes are mm. lost in the moment but they're in there with hindsight right so um but you know what's your view do you think how many you know is it 50 50 is it 80 20 how many family businesses get it right is it is it like a survival bias those that survive get it right and those that yeah. don't are gone I, do you I, know I, I, I think kind of put it trying to put a percentage on success i think is just an, almost an impossible task i think and mm. you know reality is it's, it's every every bit every person every family every business is different and it's a case of recognizing where the family is at where the business is at and everyone's in a different stage on the journey and everyone has unique attributes and needs and skills i think you know there is this cliche about it's a it's a marathon not a sprint mm -hmm. but i would also say while that's true there are not that i've ever run a marathon by the way just for the record but i can imagine if i was running a marathon there might be some short instances and occasions when actually i choose to give it a bit of a sprint but then go back yeah. into in, into the kind of the more slower pace so i think there's again it's just it's just not always so binary and i think it's it's, it's 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 those um complexities and nuances which actually and this goes back to the point about patience it actually it's important to find the time to have those conversations to understand those viewpoints and perspectives in a way that we can build and nurture those relationships but and this is critical the business doesn't lose momentum because yeah. too much introspection and you stagnate and then you know that's not a great recipe for success yeah, yeah. Yeah, too, too, too little reflection actually you can you can make a lot of mistakes and be tripping over and that has a whole corrosive effect on the team and the culture and relationships and the business etc again it's just that the, the balance for different families and different businesses is unique to each one so i think it's yeah. more about understanding those challenges and then as, as those stakeholders whether they're family owners family businesses non-family executives having the conversation to go what is right for us yes it's really well put. Um, I've loved talking about this with you, Neil, this morning. Um, it's been a lovely debate uh, really around, you know, whether there's genuinely a difference. And I'm going to say the paradoxical kind of environment of family businesses between um, maybe slow and fast thinking, let's put it that yeah. way, and um, immediate and longer term perspective, long range perspective, which doesn't just affect family businesses, it affects businesses everywhere, people yeah. everywhere. But I think you made such a lovely point that it's independent, interdependent, and it's relational. Um, and um, I guess the the now generation, the current generation, in a way, it's on them to bridge that for people to build scaffolding for the next generations to 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 use mm -hmm. to find in, in independence and interdependence and dependence all at once, right? And yeah. that makes that makes any sense to you it, yeah. it kind of does to me from from yeah. my experience yes. well but I, I mentioned earlier that you know some years ago I was doing work with a, a, a comms consultancy that had been had repurposed it purposed itself to focus on corporate purpose and the owner yeah. of that business was was, was was a brilliant and wonderful man is a brilliant wonderful man called Kami Lamakan and he yeah. would describe what you've just said as how do you create the conditions and, and the conditions for every organization and family is going to be different. And that's the conversation with the people around the table to go, what's right for us? Yeah. 
Yeah, so perhaps we can kind of just posit a kind of different, you know, sometimes we talk about servant leadership here, we may be talking about parent leadership, yeah. um, creating the right conditions yeah. and then extending that idea beyond beyond the immediate. Yeah. yeah. And, and just one quick, what, what I quite accidentally stumbled into when I was running an international sustainability consultancy, which was private equity owned, mm-hmm. um, was a call from one client to go and spend some time with their executive leadership team because they wanted to think through what's the future of a responsible business. I ended up going and, and doing a facilitated discussion with them. And mm-hmm. and in the end, I had more and more of these kind of conversations with leadership teams. And I kind of packaged them up as business unusual conversations because in the course of business as usual, they never had the time or space for these conversations. So I was coming in as a critical friend with construct have hopefully constructive provocations and then different people go well well, what does that mean for us and what are those priorities and every time we did that an elephant came out the corner of the room and that was the starting point to go okay let's look at this differently not in our classic matrix management system and business as usual rhythm um let's think about actually and to your point back to the beginning again creating some space being a little bit more patient and thinking about what is right for us, as yeah. opposed to what is the classic, you know, business template that everyone follows, and why are we doing the same thing? I think that's a lovely place just to to um, stop our uh, our chat and bring others in. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm just going to share a couple of slides about stuff that's coming up, and then I'm going to stop the recording. Um, and invite everyone who's still on just to to chat with us live for a little bit. So um, just in a second, you'll be able to unmute and and come in. But so so first of all, just very quickly, um, um, we've been talking about um, how to create conditions for success, how to bridge the gap between short term fast decision making, uh, long range strategy, developing relationships, living with your decisions in a family business, and. Uh, in next month's Strategy Cafe, Matt and I are going to be breaking that down uh, kind of in the way that Neil was talking about. And I love what he said there, this idea of um, uh, moving away from the models and more into dynamic um, development of your, your business ideas. So um, we would call this dialogue, relational dialogue, um, in, you know, critical conversations, um, breaking through your assumptions where you know people are coming at things differently and it can drive rows actually getting to the nub of that and uh, deciding how to bridge the gap. There's various really practical methodologies that you can use to start to deal with this. So we're going to be breaking that down. What can you do to solve some of these problems within the family business or other leadership environments at our next strategy cafe? So so sign up after the session and we look forward to talking that through with you next time around. Um, And um, Neil, do you want to just talk about family business momentarily? Because this is coming up for you guys. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, Yes, uh, for those who don't know, um, last year, before I joined the IFB, um, the IFB launched its inaugural family business week as a celebration of the role and place of family businesses. We're doing the same thing again this year, looking to build on the success of last. It's taking place between the 21st and 25th of January, uh, January, (laughs) November. Um, And we were going to launch it a couple of weeks ago, but of course, due to the period of mourning, um, we, we changed that. We are launching it next Monday. As well as the week in question, there are also a series of events and activities that people can get involved in across the country. And it really is to celebrate the role and place and contribution that family businesses are making. And to the point about 
readdressing that balance and get, getting some greater recognition of the great work the family businesses do do this is hopefully a platform to do that so um, if you'd like to find out more please do get in touch we'll be updating our website on monday with the information and it'll be great to have people involved so thank you so I make a couple of points on this. I think that um, uh, on this point about um, independence, becoming independent, being understanding your own two feet, feeling a bit more power in relationship when you come into the family business. One way to do that is to go and get a career outside and make your own way first, right? Another beautiful way to do it is to join the Institute for Family Business and meet other people like you um, because you will instantly get outsider's perspective from that. And these are great events with some really good content. Um, you can get this by just following um, IFB on uh, LinkedIn or Twitter. All the all the connectivity will be there. You can also follow Alembic, and we'll share promotions so you can find the links to go join in if you wish to. But Family Business Week should be great, so go go enjoy that. So um, th we're going to go to questions, but just um, just to wrap the live session, the recorded session. Thank you very much, Neil, for joining me this morning and talking about all things family business. I've loved it and uh look forward to listening back on our online channels and um i'll see you i'll see you around my pleasure thank you very much thank you okay.